says, get that India, big boy. G'day folks, uh, this is John aka 4020, sorry I had a, a little bit of a, a brain fart there, uh, welcome to another episode of The Tip Sheet, I'm joined as always by my co-host 60s, uh, coming to us with a, a loss this time 60s, but something that I'm not too upset about, obviously uh, we'll talk about it, but the Parramatta Eels 13 uh, falling to the Penrith Panthers 12, reverse Parramatta 12 falling to Penrith Panthers 13, uh, how are you feeling mate? Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag I have to admit mate, I, I'm feeling a little positive after the game and we'll go into the reasons why during this podcast there is of course the usual letdown that you feel after a loss and and the fact that we're going to have to live with this loss for two weeks because of the buy and stew on it probably even more because of lockdown and not being able to get out and about and um, take your mind off things so um, yeah a bit of a bit of a mixed mixed reaction that I have, but um, I think there's probably plenty of positives that we can talk about and uh, maybe some talking points that from the match that we can dig into during this podcast. Yeah, well, it was a pulsating encounter, 2v3 on the ladder. The Panthers minus Nathan Cleary, who's obviously a big loss. The Eels minus Reed Money, who was obviously a big loss for us as well. So two uh, origin or origin caliber players out from the spine for both teams, or one, but two in total, sorry. And yeah, um, Mitchell Moses a chance to win it um, on the buzzer with a penalty goal at that really awkward range where that's automatic in rugby union in the 15-man code, but in league you rarely take those sort of penalty goals uh, sort of 30, 35 metres out, 9 metres in from touch, um, and he narrowly pulled it to the left, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's probably fair to say that it's not a kick distance slash angle that they practice a that's lot. A, that's a spot where Luke Burt struggled, um, and he was a sharpshooter too for the Eels. Uh, when you get those, you know, and Jared Croker too in the past. I think he had a chance to uh, win a finals game or put Canberra in the finals going back a few years, and he missed from that spot too. So uh, it's a surprisingly tricky spot despite the angle being relatively friendly to a right-foot kicker. And, yeah, and unfortunately the Eels miss a chance to uh, move on to equal second with the Panthers. But talking can, about- I just, uh, can I just stop you there? Yes, just to do a bit of an instant uh, take on that kick. Do you think missing that kick is the sort of uh, moment that might make Mitch Moses burn for um, redemption a little bit more? Now, when I say redemption, I mean um, like really burn to get the, the, to be the driving force to get a win in some of the big games, or do you think it's something that, um, will nag at him. I don't think he'll go into his shell about it. Uh, we, we've seen before Mitch has had some tough kicks that he's you know he's made or he's missed, and I feel like he's managed to. Maybe in the past he would have gotten to his own head about it, but I feel like in 2021 he's been a lot more uh, serendipitous almost, uh, and you know and found his center or, or his zen for a lot of games, and that's why we've seen less explosive performances from him in times where he takes the gamble and it comes off. But the flip side is he's been a lot more consistent. So I don't feel like this game is going to cause him to, uh, you know, psych himself out. If anything, I feel like what you said, maybe he'll just be that much more competitive moving forwards. I, I feel like he, you know, he'll he'll bank that one and, and say, you know, I'm not going to let this happen again. Um, but I, I don't think that he'll unravel because of it. 
I'll tell you who I think is unravelling. Uh, I'm already seeing some reactions from Eels supporters. Oh, yeah. To the, game. The, the post game and is being there wild. Is, there is some major unravelling that's going on. And I think a lot of it was maybe sparked, uh, if there were people that were watching, uh, I watched the Fox Sports mm. coverage. I reckon Michael Ennis was watching Ennis, a different game to Ennis, me Ennis, because Ennis was a I'm watching lover. that it, first it half. I, I'm watching that first half, and I'm actually quite pleased with yep. the um, the patience, the control, yep. the domination of field position, uh, not pulling the trigger. Yep. Uh, I was really happy I'm, with that. I'm, I'm with and, you 100%. And in essence, if Guffo doesn't throw an intercept, we strangle them in the first half. Yeah, and, Guffo, you, and it's just pressure applied, applied, applied. And um, that's when Parramatta's playing that type of football, that's the type of football that is winning football for the Eels, especially against the top teams. Just look to strangle the opposition. Yeah, uh, if Guffo plays short to Wanga, he goes into the space and then links up with Sivo and maybe we score. Or at least we go into the red zone, and yeah. that that and the Opechik flick to Dunster, who was just a little, just a little bit too flat. Sorry, were probably the two defining moments of the first half. Obviously, in the second half, you had uh, Sean Lane drop a great inside ball for Mitchell Moses, and then get real lazy, allowing Apia Sykorisau to shoot to the line, um, and that were probably the pivotal moments there. A rather bad night for Sean Lane, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a great point, sixties, because in the first half. It was 53, uh, 53% possession, which is, like, you know, it's a good swing your way, but it's not dominant. And you had Mick Ennis crucifying the Eels about how they were squandering possession and looked clanky and, and uh, you know, couldn't do anything with the ball. Second half, Penrith, 66% possession, score one try, and that was only because Sean Lane got lazy. And uh, was that after the Tyrone May uh, call? I can't remember. My, my timeline's now lost. Where No, no. Uh, you, you're talking about where he passed the ball off the ground? Clearly passed the ball off the ground. And then yeah, the, no, no. That was that was before that. Yeah. So they uh, the uh, that lazy play from Sean Lane uh, occurred, uh, I think that was probably midway through yeah. the second half from memory. Yeah, he got, but, he got lazy, shot up out of the line, broke the integrity of the uh, defensive structures, and Coruscant just said thank you and just scooted past. So that yeah, was really it's disappointing. Yeah, it's amazing. It, what... What it appears obvious to me there is that uh, in in the stance that Michael Ennis was taking in his commentary during that first half, it was basically looking at it from a Penrith perspective, not from a neutral's perspective. Mm. Because if you're watching it from a neutral perspective, that was a, what, that was a fun what you're actually looking at is a team getting to the lead against the run of play. The other teams forcing errors, putting them off their game, yep. and yet the team that is is the most dominant in that first half is the one that receives the criticism. And for the life of me, I was thinking, what game is this bloke watching? And like you said, when they, all the talk was there about the second half, there was the the praise for Penrith for the way they controlled the second half. And I'm thinking, it, it's one try apiece. Yep, they they scored a try that was on the back of a one player's lazy defensive yeah, movements both, both from their, the Eels. Both their tries came off lapses that were costly, individual lapses. Ice obviously had a great game, but drops off Tyrone May in the first half and allows him to score a soft try. And then, Well, he was gassed. He was clearly gassed. You could see that before the try was scored. It was like, yeah. uh-oh, we're in, we're in <laughs> trouble here because yeah. he's, and, uh, the, he, he's the, gassed on that chase back. The part that made me laugh about that, obviously, because the try sucked, but Ennis tried to put the knife into Mitchell Moses there too. He tried yeah. to blame Moses for not coming in for the tackles. Like you realize that when you're on your goal line, you're playing man to man, 
and Moses has to play the second option. <laughs> Just, I, I, but yeah, Ice had a great game. Barva scored a great try. Uh, was uh, statistically just phenomenal again. So he'll be upset that he let in that try, even if he equalised things early in the second half with that great kick chase. But yeah, um, this was a game. Well, mate, uh, let, let's get into some stats. Yeah, and let's, some let's get into the stats because this was a game that was I thought very enjoyable. Like I had that there was, there was that tense feeling in my chest the entire game because it was a finals like contest, which I like. You know, the, the game goes down to the final minutes. Um, two great teams playing, if they're not full strength. And the numbers are pretty close. Uh, Penrith, 51% of possession when all is said and done. They are ahead by just over a minute in time of possession, 29-23 to Parramatta's 28-13. Eels were more effective completing at 80% to Penrith's 77%. Eels had more runs but less run meters. Uh, Penrith had in post-contact two. Penrith had in line breaks three to one. But Eels breaking more tackles. Uh, average set distance slightly favors Penrith. And um, they had more kick returns, which is a given... Uh, considering that Mitchell Moses was often clearing the ball in that first half from uh, early in the first half and then in the second half, sorry, deep within his half. Um, he had a fantastic kicking game. Penner for the faster play to ball speed. Um, from there, though, Eels with more kicks. Uh, both teams diffused pretty neatly. Um, Penner had a few struggles early on in that regard with Charlie Staines uh, getting tested by Moses. Eels actually defended more effectively at 90% effective tackle rate. The Penner's 86.2%. Uh, the Eels missed just 13 tack- sorry missed 31 tackles to Penrith 34 and made 13 ineffective tackles to Penrith 28. So that's a, a good effort defensively there. And that, well, that's really what the eye test saw too, 60s, wasn't it? Both teams defended pretty neatly all night. Um, tries came either off kicks for the Eels or off just those momentary lapses for Penrith. And I feel like neither team would be too upset defensively what they put on the board there. Yeah, it's... They made the, the comment that, the, um, that was made frequently through the contest by the Fox sports commentators was about the the closeness of the contest which again it was it was almost um, uh, what's it how, how can I put that it, it it seemed incongruous that in on the one hand there was criticism of one of the teams that made it such a tight contest and then on the other hand you had the comments about how good it is to see such a tight contest between top teams and it like it, it it just didn't make sense for the two statements to be made uh by by basically the same commentators but there you go i suppose that's we know what it's like i, I suppose to call a game live and in some respects you're looking to come up with comments in the moment and i guess they're not always right so i don't know maybe i'm being a bit harsh but i I just didn't see what game the commentators were watching from my perspective anyway. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. We, we speak about individual moments. Obviously, Gufferson had an incredible try-saver and kick out, but we spoke about the intercept. The forward pass to Bryce Cartwright late in the game sets up Matt Burton for the field goal, and that was actually tragic. I, I saw people whinging that he wasn't putting any kick pressure on. If you go back and watch that play... I think two forwards make the tackle and Wanga Blake deliberately comes in as the marker to be the fresh man to shoot and he gets set to go and he trips over. The wet conditions just undid him as he looked to shoot and get that big start for the the block and unfortunately Burton gets the uncontested kick and slots it. Yeah, so. and you also had um, Gutherson called offside by uh, the referee as he shot off the line. Now, he's basically called him for going early off the line. Now, when you watch the replay, he maybe got a step away off the line early, but I tell you what, if if that's something that he was able to pick up as quickly as he did, uh, Ashley Klein, 
uh, he did a very good job that is very rarely done by referees picking teams for going early. Don't get me started on the six again. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought, yeah, I, I, I just don't. I, I just didn't understand how it was such a, a, a disparity in the six again because I thought one of the teams was really working the other one on yeah, the ground. Ben, and Penrith handling yes, the ball the entire I'm, contest was spoiling the ruck very effectively, yeah. which is part of the reason why they were able to bottle the Eels at times. And I thought that the Eels fought back late in that second half on the back of Junior Paulo being re-injected into the game. I felt he started to free up the ruck a little bit with some good second phase play and some strong carries. Uh, and in terms of individual players, there were plenty of good, um, good Eels on the night. Um, I thought Wanga Blake was pretty solid. Um, Mitch did the best that he could of what he was given. Um, maybe he could have taken on the line a little bit more, but kicking was tremendous. I think he went for over 600 metres kicking with a lot of great clearing kicks. Um, Reg was very... You going to say well, do, you think it's, do you think it's fair to say that he looked to play a controlled game oh, tonight? And that's what Brad Arthur said as much in the postgame. He wasn't critical of Mitch at all. He said, you know, he missed a kick, but that's football. Um, but he played to the game plan. Like, obviously, early on, they looked to exploit Penrith's wingers. Um, they, they know that Penrith likes to play an aggressive um, defensive formation. And they put in the early kicks to get some results. And then later on, when Penrith were right in the contest, he managed to keep the Eels in the thick of things of a strong clearing game. So I, I am very content with what he did, and obviously people are going to crucify him for missing that kick, um, which he just squeezed to the left too. That, that's the real tragedy of it. He didn't miss it badly, just uh, just enough, unfortunately. But yeah, very happy with Mitch's game. I thought Dylan in the first half was very good. Uh, had some great tackles on Kikau. Had a really nice play that led to that flick pass to Opechik that Dunster wasn't in position for, uh, which would have really helped his, uh, uh, I suppose, the, the perception of his game. But in the second half when we didn't have the ball, that, that's the problem is when in the second half we haven't got the ball, so it's easy to be critical of both halves. Um, and, you know, we already mentioned that Mitchell Moses could have taken on the line more, but, you know, that's also a reflection of possession and territory. And uh, and if Mitchell Moses is struggling in that regard, then the guy that's going to have absolutely no say is Dylan Brown, isn't that so? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're, when you're the secondary and even the borderline tertiary option at times because of the way we use Quinton Gufferson, um, you know, obviously it'd be nice to get a big game out of Dylan in these sort of circumstances, but the game really didn't come his way. Um, no, uh, but I, I, again, there was a, a major highlight moment for me from Dylan Brown, and unfortunately it didn't translate to being able to keep them out because they got the six again just after it and scored their try. But what about Dylan Brown bringing down yeah, kick out? With, with the, charging um, the, onto the, the line. The Gilmeister like, type tackle, axed, axed him down, yeah. Uh, Dill, obviously a phenomenal defender. We've spoken at length how much of an outlier he is defensively in the entire competition as a playmaker, um, and that was on show tonight. He gave Kikau uh, nightmares, I feel like, except for that one moment where Kikau got over the line where um, Clinton Gufson came in for the save, which was a tremendous piece of individual play as well. Uh, I thought that the Eels did a great job bottling him up, and it was a very good contest between the forwards in general. Um, both teams were just slugging it out, a lot of big hits, big carries, um, there was very few line breaks in that regard. Like, it was three line breaks to one on the entire night with Coruscant contributing, I think, one or two of those. So um, the forwards really in the contest there. And that was if the Eels putting Junior on the bench as um, uh, not a reward, but as a, a contingency measure from backing up from Origin. Um, we obviously said Papali'i had a great game. I thought um, a bit of credit to Ryan Madison too. I thought early on in sets he was getting heavily involved to help the outside backs when we're coming out of our red zone. And then probably, yep. probably the, the knock, if anything, was our bench was a little bit underdone tonight. And that's maybe where the game could have um, had a more impact. We spoke about Sean Lane's lapses. I think mean, Oggy tried hard off a couple of carries, but didn't get many moments to carry the ball because that's when the possession really swung against us. And Bryce was a late injection to the game. 
And unfortunately for Bryce, through no fault of his own, um, his biggest contribution was being part of that forward pass. So, yeah. So, okay. If we, if uh, I'll just give you my positives to come out of the, out of this game. I thought that when you're talking about uh, taking on the Panthers to have a scoreline of thirteen to twelve against a team that, uh, if you if, if you're talking about uh, a, being able to score points. The Panthers have obviously done that uh, many, many times this season where they've put another team to the sword, even even some of the top teams. And I thought that the Eels' defence was absolutely phenomenal bar those couple of, of softer tries, but I, more on that in a moment. Um, I thought that the Eels in attack were patient and composed uh, they were criticised for not throwing too much at the opposition, but have a look at what Penrith's defensive record is for the season. You can you're really dictated by um, who you play against, and what I, you know. It's an old it's an old saying, but um, whatever whatever the team that you're playing against is, how they perform has a big obviously has a big bearing on the result of the game and. The Panthers are consistently uh, at almost an impossible team to score tries against. So um, we came within, what, say, a uh, uh, tip of the finger length away from Sebo getting a try, which could have made a, a big difference. Opportunity took an intercept. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, those those sorts of moments where it could, it could stick or the ball could stay in the hand in the put down, they're... They're big moments in the context of the game, but you've got to give, as I said, you've got to give Penrith credit for what their defence is like. And if you're going to give Penrith credit for their defence, you also have to give credit to Parramatta yeah, for 100%. their defence. Because and that's why all I... of those Penrith danger players were effectively shut down during the game. And uh, you, what shouldn't be forgotten is that this was... I know there's no crowd there, but this is an away game for the Eels, a home game for the Panthers. get up by one point in two years. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the fact that the Panthers get up by one point, one point, and there are Eels fans in meltdown about it not being good enough. Like, in all seriousness, I, I, I cannot believe because uh, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, feeds coming through. On between social, my iPad at between the moment, socials and from, your phone, you'll be getting non-stop pings and notifications. It goes into oh, the notifications. The notifications are going crazy with uh, both on Instagram and Twitter, and um, and I'm also seeing a little bit of uh, what's there in um, the um, Discord uh, feed <laughs> coming through as well. And I'm not believing what I'm reading. In all seriousness, I I cannot believe what I'm reading. I must have a completely different perspective on football to a lot of other people because I'm looking at that game and, yeah, I said I'm, I'm disappointed. I wanted the win. It's 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 going to have me a bit down in the dumps and because I'm, I'm fine you, you, you had the opportunity was there to win it. Mitch Moses had the opportunity exactly. to win it. Now, and and it. I'm not holding him accountable for, for that, but he had the chance to win it at the end. 
Um, I'm not going to blame the referee for the loss, even though I wasn't happy about the six again rules. <laughs> uh, I hate the six. I just yeah, hate six, the six, six again rule. Just, it's it's dog shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you you know how I feel about the six again rule. I've said it. I've said it from the start. But the Eels have just come out there, and uh, with both teams basically missing an origin level player from the spine, and I know Penrith will point to uh, Dylan Edwards at fullback as well uh, being missing, but. Um, the Eels have just come out there and lost by a field goal to the Panthers at their home ground. And I think to myself, you know, the overriding, the overriding take that I have from that game is the Eels are in this premiership up to their eyeballs. Absolutely I mean, in this premiership you, you up to their back, eyeballs. You go back to round two, they play out a, a really tough game with Melbourne and win despite... Some very blatant foul play, rubbing out a key player in Ryan Madison. This round, heading into the bye, narrowly pit by Penrith. Like you said, both teams missing a key player. And I know that people will hype up the difference that Nathan Cleary makes for the Penrith. And rightfully so. Cleary, obviously, uh, a galvanizing factor for their rush, their, their rush to the Premiership. But uh, Reid Marnie, you know, huge, hugely important piece in our team because of the point of difference he provides from great service to a dynamic kicking game, the ability to mix up our attacking options in the red zone. So Yeah, now... Can I? Can I? Um, jump in, I jump in off of, if you need to. Yeah, yeah. I, I deviated away from um, the positives in terms of the players. I'm going to jump straight into my three, two, one because um, I think if I if if I don't talk about a couple of these players, then I'm doing them a disservice. Uh, my my best on field uh, tonight it was actually. Uh, the 150 games man, Regan Campbell-Gillard. Reg was very good, yeah. I, I thought his time on the field was absolutely outstanding, especially his first stint. Um, my my two goes to Ryan Madison. I thought he was an absolute workhorse mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, his carries, his, um, his defence, and uh, for third, Nathan Brown. Um, Brownie, and, Brownie and, once again, tiles through the middle. Uh, well, yep. he, he tore in for, uh, like we mentioned earlier, it was a fierce contest in the ruck. Penrith yep. obviously an outstanding forward pack. Parramatta a very good forward pack in their own right. And I don't think anyone's going to be embarrassed looking at the reveal of this game from the, in terms of the middle forwards. They all tore in offensively and defensively. Yeah. Now, I also, I also have Nathan Brown tying with Ice, with Isaiah Bali'i, because I, I couldn't separate the two of them. Um, in my top, within that top three, it was really hard to split. So basically what I'm saying is I think the forwards laid a very, very good platform. And um, I I think, yeah, I I, I had to go for Reg for for the three. I had to go for Ryan Madison. I thought it was one of his best games of the season. And as I said, I've got a a tie between Nathan Brown and Isaiah Papali'i for uh, my one point, because I, I just thought that um, our pack and our our starting pack were outstanding no, tonight. I, I love that allocation of the three to one, and I'll double, I'll double down on what you said. I thought that they were uh, hugely competitive, um, despite not getting much of a look in in terms of those set restarts. Um, despite their you know industrious work for eighty minutes, um, Klein not interested in and in, you know punishing or or calling out Penrith's. Uh, Spoiling tactics, which we've um, seen against the t- teams trying to play against the Eels successfully a few times this year, and I feel like we're handling it better now. 
Um, you know, obviously the Dragons really rocked us on the back of that. But tonight, despite the spoiling and despite Penrith getting the ascendancy in terms of territory and, and possession, uh, we dug in, defend our line really staunchly, which is hugely encouraging because even without Cleary, Penrith are not short of attacking wonders. Um, obviously, Appiasai, Coruscant, uh, Jerome Luai has absolutely tormented Queensland for two games. And yet he was uh, not a non-factor, but uh, was restricted in what he could do this game. Uh, Matt Burton, a very good young player in his own right. Stephen Crichton, an outstanding young centre. Uh, you know, Viliami Kikau, uh, Fisher Harris and Isaiah Yo. You know, there is strike power everywhere in that Penrith team, yet they could only score two tries, both of which came off, you know, costly individual lapses. So uh, I feel like on review, the Eels will not be upset about where they were defensive in this game. And, it, you know, as much as uh, we look back and lament how badly we were beaten by both South Sydney and Manly, um, this played a lot closer to the game against Melbourne in round two in terms of us stepping up to one of the two best teams in the competition. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I suppose now what we look at is, uh, where to from here for the Eels? Because after this week, we've got the bye, and then we're really talking about the run into the finals. Now, uh, Parramatta's probably got close to enough points already to be guaranteed a spot in the eight, but you just don't want a spot in the eight. You want a spot in the top four. There'll be four points clear of... Uh, fifth place after this weekend. You've got Manly, who are destined to make a run home. The only thing that will hold them back is the money that I put on them to make the top four. And uh, there is a method to my madness in putting my coin on the Sea Eagles to make the top four. So I'm hoping that sort of guarantees that Tommy Turbo gets injured. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the 60s mock will come into full effect in that regard. And if Manly get a bit of a run on and do achieve it, I've got a bit of coin in the pocket as a result. So uh, I couldn't resist the $6.50 <laughs> that was available for them to make it um, because I just looked at the draw and they are blessed. I mean, it's a it's a win, they, it's a win, win bet, right? The, they've been kissed on the proverbial. It, with it, the draw it is a win-win bet, though. If Manly bomb out and don't make the top four, you know, a hated rival has, you know, absolutely bottled it and, and given away a, a dream run to the finals. If they make it, you collect a nice little payday. So, uh, you know, even if it does mean Manly making the top four, you get some sort of payback for it, which is nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, look, so where to for... That, that, for, that is a good point. That's where I was going to go. Is that you, you speak about that run home for Manly, and obviously the Eels have to play the same amount of games. We're coming out of a bye. We got Origin, where we're going to have Junior Paulo, potentially Mitchell Moses. Um, if the the inside word seems to be believed that he probably did enough tonight to secure that number seven jersey. Uh, I don't know if Tom Opperchick comes into calculations or Reed Money comes into calculations for Queensland, uh, depending on uh, health for Reed and uh, personal status for. Uh, Tom, who obviously had a, a very you know tragic incident prior to the game, um, and his brother passing away. But are you comfortable with how the Eels shape up based on what we saw tonight? Uh, do you want to see individuals held accountable for lapses in like Sean Lane? Should he spend a game or two down in the New South Wales Cup uh, post buy? Uh, would you like to see Blake Ferguson come back in the calculations? Given that even though uh, Hayes Dunce has done a good job. As we saw tonight, sometimes in these close games against the top competition, you need, not, not necessarily you need a Blake Ferguson, but you need every hand that you can get 
that can be a difference. That can be the guy that makes the, the tackle bust or the 15-meter uh, set starter or that just uncanny ability to finish you know, slightly better than someone else. Uh, where are you on that? Okay, well, I, where, I, where I'm at is more about what I predict is going to happen. So I'm going to, I will predict, uh, first of all, there's the obvious that Reed Marnie comes back into the team uh, when he's uh, when he's fit, which should be the game after the game after the buy round. Outrageous prediction. Yeah, um, but my next call is that I'm going to expect uh, Blake Ferguson to return on the wing before the finals. Now, unless we have uh, an issue with his form being atrocious in reserve grade or Hayes Dunster suddenly hitting an absolute purple patch of, uh, of match-winning form. I think that will be the way that it'll go. Now, this isn't, this isn't so much a, a knock on Hayes, but rather the fact that Blake Ferguson's carries from the backfield would have, might have been something that uh, could have been a point of difference in... Hayes also bundled into touch in that first half, despite being relatively far infield. Penrith were able to swarm him and, and drive him in, which probably doesn't happen to Fergo, even though Fergo does like to venture close to the touchline at times, so who knows if he would have given them a different opportunity. But yeah, I feel like Fergo's uh, just strength and bulk could have been a difference factor there. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind... I've said all along, um, first of all, I agreed with the changes that BA made because um, even uh, even balancing out um, the odd error that Hayes has got in, in his game, I knew that that change would immediately improve our defence because if there's one thing that Hayes does very well, it's to follow instructions to the letter if he's told to do something out there he will do something out there like he'll follow the coach's instructions um blake ferguson i don't believe he had been because he didn't look like he was on the same page as wonga blake in defense and it didn't really make too much of a difference um who was who who was beside Ferguson in terms of his decision making what did make the difference however is Dylan Brown now Dylan Brown is back so I think that could work in Ferguson's favour so um, when Dylan Brown was out we had a problem uh, over on that side when Dylan Brown's back in I think that problem's pretty much uh, disappeared and even if there's been times where they've got around the outside of the winger, which happens to every team in every game, you're going to get an overlap, you're going to get uh, the winger jamming in, uh, but we've covered it really quickly with good cover defence, and it, it, it's quite often Dylan Brown that's involved in that cover. So yeah, I think the, the call will be made that um, provided he's just been playing solid when New South Wales Cup returns that Blake Ferguson will return. I suppose the only thing is to the call of when that happens. So will it happen the game after the bye? 
Will it be without Blake Ferguson playing another game in New South Wales Cup? Or will it be left for just a couple of games out from the finals that he brings him back all supercharged to prove a point with finals football there? What's your thoughts there, mate? Do you think do you think that's on the cards, the return of Fergo? I, I think the return of Fergo is on the cards. I'm a little bit torn, though. Um, I have a little bit more... Uh, trepidation in terms of what he'll do to the defense. I suppose I, I'd really, you know, with Dill there, it certainly shores up the edge tremendously, as we saw tonight. You know, Penrith really went after the right edge, and and Dylan just is the glue. You know, he he just holds that whole edge together so well. Um, but at the same time, I mentioned earlier, I feel like Hayes Dunster makes a try saver in that first half on Matt Burton with a little grub kick that he gets him back quick enough to save. That perhaps Fergo might have been either out of position or not can't get back as fast. So there is going to I, be. Look, I, I... I'm just interrupt you there. Sorry. What Hayes Dunster definitely has in his favour is the fact that he seems to be more attuned to the defensive side of the game because uh, not only in terms of of holding his position at the end of the line, but as you just pointed out there, his turn and chase when it kicks in is far better than what Fergo's is, and I think he's. Um, He's been bet- he was quite good when that ball was put on the ground um, in the in the kicks from the Panthers. You we've had instances in the past where Fergo has looked really really shaky when that ball's been put along the ground towards his corner. So I think he's I think that Hayes has got the distinct advantage there, but we've also got Fergo who has the distinct advantage when it comes to attack that he is far more of a threat. So if the Eels feel that their defence is sorted with Dylan Brown back there on that side. That's the big call. If Dylan, because Dylan is the captain of that team, or of that edge, sorry, defensively, he really, you know, marshals that entire edge. If they're confident that he can, you know, reel Ferguson into line defensively, then sure, go ahead of it. Because I feel like the upside of Ferguson uh, with the ball in hand and, in, you know, in general play uh, is too important in, no, not so much the general games, because we've shown that we can win pretty comfortably with Hayes against the vast majority of the NRL. But when you've got uh, a Penrith or a Melbourne or obviously Manly in South Sydney, you know, any of the other big four teams outside of us to make up the big five this year, then, yeah, having his experience, having his finishing, having his uh, just raw physique is probably going to be an important factor for the Eels. Yeah. So um, did we get your 3-2-1, mate? I, I, we back, get... I backed your 3-2-1. I, I thought you were oh, you, right you... the money, yeah. Yeah, okay. The, so The other question I was going to ask you on the follow-up to the Ferguson change was, would you drop Sean Lane? Or would you tweak the bench? Because we, we seem to be a little bit uh, reserved in playing Bryce Cartwright tonight in a high-leverage situation. Um, was that a dead spot on the bench? We could have been used somewhere with someone else. I know that we are somewhat limited in, in the terms of the bench utility. Oh, Will, Will Smith back, probably not so much. But the Nathaniel Roach injury was obviously a blow in that regard. But you know, between Sean Lane having a shocker, and Bryce Cartwright not getting onto the field much, should we be reassessing how we look at our bench for not the average game, but for these high-leverage, uh, high-quality, high-calibre games against you know top four, top five opposition? Um, I don't see too much changing, to be honest, because I maybe you just have to put it down to that being one of those games that Sean Lane, we know he has in him, where he... That's that, has that's a bit of a moment concern. where he goes to sleep defensively. That, that that nags me though because when you're playing against the non top four or top five teams, we've shown we can carry that error. But when you're up against Melbourne or Penrith, 
they, you know, that's blood in the water for them. I, I, I well, don't. Well, the obvious, obvious question is, who would you bring in in his place? If you if you wanted to send a message, would you would you? I'll put you on the spot now. Would you drop Sean Lane based on that performance? So I'm saying I wouldn't, because I I I just say you know what if we have full we are fully aware that there's going to be an odd game like that in Sean Lane. We don't want it. Um, it's not acceptable. The message should be delivered to him that it's not acceptable. But I don't know that we've necessarily got anyone that is going to deliver better than he is and that he'd been in ex- extremely good form before tonight. Uh, to be honest, if I was the coach, and you know, I, I rate Brad, obviously, uh, but if I was the coach, I would have hooked him after the defensive laps that led to, not just dropped him this week, but hooked him after he led in um, uh, Appy Sykorosau, sorry, in that second half. Uh, in terms of where I go with the team construction, I would drop Sean Lane. I feel like, the, you know, that's the sort of effort that in a high leverage situation, I use that word because you, know, you talk about the top contenders in the competition and it's Melbourne and Penrith. And they're the, you know, the benchmark that the Eels are you know, measuring themselves against. We beat Melbourne earlier in the year in a pulsating game and we lost, lost the Penrith by one point. So I feel like our premiership credentials are just fine, even if we have plenty of room to improve still. But in terms of replacing him, uh, the injury to Wiram McGregor was incredibly untimely. The poor bastard had an uh, injury uh, on an ankle, syndesmosis, which has gone through to surgery, which would probably put an, a stopper on his 2021 campaign, I'd say. Um, with uh, how much we got? Uh, two, uh, two months of football left plus finals. Uh, syndesmosis of that nature is probably like a three-month recovery with my uh, incredibly uh, intensive medical degree coming to play here. So, yeah, unfortunately for Greg, he's not a factor now. Um, if I was going to replace him, I would probably go the wild card. I'd look at either Makatoa or Hipgrave. Um, and yeah, and that's I, a that's a that's a that's a fair call because we've had um, well Makatoa. He he couldn't be doing anything more in uh, the New South Wales Cup team for Parramatta. He's uh, his numbers are off the chart every week. Absolutely off the chart every week. If that would be, that would still be the that would be the big punt bringing yeah. him in. Less of a less of a punt, of course, is Keegan Hipgrave, Correct. who who's been fine is a proven NR, He's he's a proven NRL player. He can play edge. He can play middle. Um, he's been uh, obviously playing a lot longer minutes in New South Wales Cup than he has when he's been used in the NRL, and he's our 100% man at the NRL level. Yeah, so, yeah, to drop a game. Yeah, maybe you'd name him. If you got to a grand final, maybe you'd name him. <laughs> the good luck charm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, if, oh. if, BA, if BA wants to change our finals fortune, he's he's then the, the certain inclusion uh, I, when it hits finals. For I, I say all this because I am harsh on Sean Lane because he is such a positive point of difference when he switched in and dialed on, or switched on and dialed in. That's probably the better way of putting that. Uh, he is, you know, obviously incredibly difficult to tackle in the middle. Can slip a cheeky offload. It's got a little bit of ball playing in him. So I, I love what he brings to the team in a positive aspect. It just in these games against Penrith and Melbourne and the like, you, you can't make those mistakes not once, but on both sides of the ball. You know. The, so if it, so, if the message was sent to Blake Ferguson by putting him down to New South Wales Cup, that mm-hmm. 
some of these defensive decisions that you're making, Blake, it's just not up to standard and uh, we can't accept it anymore. So you can go back to New South Wales Cup and then there's a bit of uh, penance that's done at that level before being brought up, if, if that's how it plays out. You'd, you'd adopt a similar approach then with Sean Lane. Yes. Uh, I feel like it helps complacy, stop complacency from creeping in. And for a player like Sean, who at his best is devastating, I feel like you just you need to have him locked in and on his toes, even if it means you know missing him missing a game or two in first grade. And I feel like he'd be better for the time in Reggie's. At least that's my take on it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's probably fair enough. Um, it's I'm I'm still thinking that's not going to happen. I think that um, BA's probably more likely to stick solid with the players that have done the job so far. And uh, whilst I don't necessarily disagree that what you're suggesting is uh, an option, because I, 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 if BA turned around and did that, I wouldn't have a problem with it either. Uh, if, he, if he gave Sean a, a rest back in New South Wales Cup, I just think it's less likely to happen. I think what's more likely to happen is the return of Blake Ferguson just to add a little bit more um, uh, impact carrying the ball from the backfield. I think that um, uh, he he just has... Uh, he, even... even Look, his, his games in New South Wales Cup haven't been haven't been brilliant by any stretch of the imagination. The fact that Phil Rothfield, for some reason, wrote up that he was killing it in the uh, reserve grade, I'm thinking, well, I don't know if you've been watching the game, Phil, but <laughs> if I, I, I might have just if given you, him a pass mark. If you look at the box score, he jumps out, because I think last game against Mounties, it was something like 11 runs, 190 metres or something like that, because he had the big line break and the yeah. other line break where he got bundled in the touch. So it's not like he's been awful. He's had some good moments in Reggie's. Uh, yeah. But it, I wouldn't say he's kicked down the door screaming to be picked. But no. at the same time, this is what you know. why, as a coach, you earn the good salary because you've got to make this tough course. Have, has, yeah. you know, if you, if you, you've given that you've dropped Blake and he has you know, been given that message, do you trust that if he's called back into the team, he understands now and will play better towards the team tactics and, and defensive positioning and whatnot? So that's, he, he needs, he wants, he needs a contract. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing is that Ferguson is hundred percent got a lot to play for, even if he hasn't got a future at Parramatta. He is not out of the um you know, out of these uh football years yet. He's got one big payday ahead of him. So whether it's with an NRL club or with a rugby union club, as has been uh teased in the media recently, I think the Western Force obviously showing some interest in Fergo. Either way, he's got a lot to play for. So what you know, one last hurrah you know, is could go a long way for the Eels and for Fergo too. Yeah, oh, look, I've said it multiple times. It serves Parramatta no good to have a player on his money with his talent and his game-breaking ability running around at New South Wales Cup level. Now, if he's not interested in lifting that level and if he's not interested in um, really training the house out, and I, I can't talk about his training at the moment, obviously I can't get with out. With the level four restrictions, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, uh, so insights in the training aren't what they once were. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't talk about what his attitude is. The coaches would know, uh, and his teammates would know more about his attitude. Is he switched on? Is he is he determined to um, break back into the first grade squad, or 
is he just going to play out the season? They would know what his attitude is. So if he's got the right sort of attitude, he'll be selected. And I think that'll be a, that would be a major guide if he's selected back in first grade that the coaches believe his attitude is spot on because, as I said, I, d- I don't think he's slaying it in, in reserve grade. I think his, his carries have been good, and that's what he provides, his carries from the backfield. But I think he could have got more involved in some of the games that I've seen him play. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, that to me means if they select him in first grade, that he's shown something away from the away from the field on the training paddock or in his talks with the coaches and his attitude in the in the team that he wants to be back there and he and that he's ready to to prove that he's he's worthy of being in a finals team. No, that's a fair a fair call, and obviously the the team will have to re not reassess but be constantly assessing where he's at if and when he comes back. You know, if he if he comes in and struggles again. That's a, a big call again to be made, whether you go with Hayes or maybe another solution because of, you know, the imminent or looming finals where you need to have, you know, your best players firing. Um, but, you, you know, you sort of trust that even if he hasn't been everything you wanted in his uh, stint of penance in the New South Wales Cup, that he will grasp that opportunity if given when he comes back to first grade and make the most of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, mate, I think... I think- uh, that pretty much gets us to uh, the wrap-up point. Yeah, well, unfortunately, podcast. the loss means the Eels now have a two-game buffer between themselves and the Melbourne Storm and the Penrith Panthers too, by the way. So 28 points for those two teams, 24 points for the Eels uh, with the Rabbitohs also on 24. But there is now, there's also a four-point buffer to them and the Roosters and potentially Manly if they end up winning their game in hand. So uh, top four and top six constructed quite oddly at the moment. Uh, two-point buffers here and there. Eels have a chance to uh, reel one back in against Penrith at the end of the season. Um, so if Penrith trip up another game, it gives Eels a chance to make that leapfrog. Um, but with games against the Storm and the Panthers, there's actually a chance to make up ground on both teams. So uh, plenty to play for in that tough run out of the bye. We do play the Titans coming out in uh, round uh, 18, I believe, is it? Uh, so uh, depending on on who's available and, and what happens, because there's a few things that come, come into play if... Uh, Poor um, Tom Opachuk has to leave the bubble to attend a, a funeral. He goes into quarantine uh, on the way back, which I would not, I would not hold that against him. But then that gives the Eels a potential selection issue at centre, wherever they go off near Corey or or Will Penasini up against the Titans. So lots of factors. State of Origin too. Um, we know Junior Paul is going to play. We think Mitchell Moses will play. Um, there could be other players. In fact, uh, in consideration too, depending on Reed Marnie's health, uh, if he's available for Queensland, given they might want to go for a bit of Gen Next. In a dead rubber. So lots of uh, variables to monitor for origin selection. Um, but yeah, tough loss, 13 to 12. But one that I feel, like I said at the start of this podcast, largely positive about coming out of. And like I said, I don't blame anyone that wants to criticize certain aspects of the game where we had you know bad lapses, whether it was Quinton Gufferson's uh, two errant passes or Sean Lane's lapses or you know just a little bit of a, a squander opportunities here and there. That's fine because that was a, uh, you know, a tough game with both teams really suffocating each other in, in defense. But, um, geez, just something to carry on, mate, post-game. Like I said, you, you, you reckon we'd lost by 50, not by one. So yeah, Well, there, there's, there's, there are people out there, again, calling for the coach's head. Yeah. They, in all honesty, I, I'm, I'm just completely dumbfounded by the attitude of 
of yeah. certain supporters because the, the uh, thing is, is that uh, it's just we've got a we've got a team that have just against the the premiership favourites gone down by a field goal and you'd think the world had just ended that we're supporting the worst team in the competition um, and the night before we've just witnessed the Roosters beaten 46 nil by exactly. the storm exactly and and barely and and can I suggest people go and have a look at the Roosters record for this year they they talk about Parramatta being flat track bullies go and have a look at the Roosters this year and I know they've got their injuries problems but and that's been something that they've built into in terms of their injuries when we beat them my my words to you were were this is now a game too far for the Roosters. They've been yeah, doing okay yep. with, their, with, their, with their injured lineup, but it's a game too far, and it's just going to be a tough run for them from here on in for the rest of the year. But go and have a look at, at their record and tell me who you think has a better chance of going further in this competition, Parramatta or the Roosters, because we're not seeing anything like what... The, the thrashings that some teams are copying in this competition. Parramatta's just lost their fourth game of mm -hmm. the season. I'm expecting that they'll lose six before the finals. That, that, that'll be their total losses for the season. I was asked a number of weeks <laughs> not, not ago... A, not a further six losses, six total. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a total of <laughs> yeah, six yeah, losses. Yeah. I, I was asked earlier in the season, how many losses do I think that the Eels will have for the season? And I said about six. Because that's what... Uh, to me, if you came out of the season with 18 wins and six losses, that's outstanding. That's like a 67% success rate there. Sorry, a 75% um, a success rate, I should say. 18 and six, that's uh, winning three quarters of your games. So if if they come out with an 18-6 um, result in terms of uh, wins and losses, uh, that that's going to be that's going to be top four, and it should be. Um, and and by the way, just to say, in terms of for and against, the the eels are effectively, as far as I'm concerned, it, it is. five points five points ahead of both yeah. the roosters and manly because Parramatta's for and against is so much better. Yeah. It's a it's Melbourne a cliff, Penrith a cliff, Parramatta a cliff then the Rabbitohs, and then it starts getting close to the Roosters and the Seagulls, and then the rest of the competition are just eating shit. <laughs> it is a crazy year for for and against. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it is it is just a, a, a massive difference in terms of for and against. So for the Eels to miss the top four, they would, um, they would have to lose uh, three games more than the what, chasing pack, the Rabbitohs, than the Roosters, what the say the, the um than than say Manly or the Roosters do, Correct. and uh, that's it's not going to be the Roosters. They're they're on their they're on their slide now. Well, yeah, it'll the, be the Manly. It'll be Manly that will challenge. Um, and they're they're a Tommy Turbo injury away <laughs> from um yeah. having their season. Uh, come to a, a even, sudden even halt. even with Tommy Turbo, and I know that they ended up spanking the Gold Coast, but they've shown that they can have bad halves. Uh, oh yeah, with yeah. with Tommy at the helm, because you know as as, cre as incredible a player as he is, you know when you're built around one player like that, it, you know if he has any sort of a uh, bad half or bad game, it'll come back to haunt you. But yeah, it feels like Roosters trending downwards in a big way. Sam Walker's really struggling at the moment. Um, they've got injuries across the park. Rabbitohs and Seagulls trending up, uh, and Parramatta trending up. I know that we just lost tonight, but I feel like the 
the Eels come out of this game with a good feel for the blueprint for what it takes to beat Penrith. I know there was no Nathan Cleary, and that'll be a big factor when they meet again in the last round of the regulation season. But with Reed Marnie at the helm, I feel like both teams would have that much more in the tank for when they meet in front of what will hopefully be a packed Bankwest Stadium, depending on how this whole COVID outbreak goes. Any Look, we expect that there's going to be supporters, as much as I'm dumbfounded by it, uh, it, it isn't a surprise, really, that there are some supporters who have lost the plot after that loss because emotion comes into rugby league and yes. uh, common, common sense and uh, analytics about the game go out the window. They're just... And, and people might turn around and say, well, you you know, you just see it through rose-coloured glasses every time. I, I think anyone that sat near me at the, at the football knows that I don't see it through rose-coloured glasses uh, all the time. It's... Uh, I can be I can be quite negative when I'm watching a game unfold, as I was tonight during the times where uh, Parramatta were doing things that I, I wasn't too happy with in their play. Some of those errors, some of the um, decisions that were made. But uh, by the same token, you look at a game and you think, um, in the real in the real realistic stakes, it is a it is a one point loss against the top of the table team, and if there's any expert uh, and analysts out there who overly praise Penrith and find nothing that they can, or very little they can praise Parramatta about, then I would suggest that they aren't looking at it from an analytical point of view, that they're looking at it from a, a point of view of continuing to praise the Panthers and looking for reasons to praise the Panthers. And we found reason to praise them tonight. Uh, but they are avoiding praising Parramatta. And I think there is, and I'm quite happy for us to keep flying under the radar because to me, tonight announced that Parramatta are in the premiership yeah, up to their I, eyeballs. I and if anyone thinks otherwise, they're kidding themselves. Yeah, I, I, that's why, I mean, obviously it hurts to lose and it was a gut punch to just miss that conversion, or penalty, penalty conversion, sorry, uh, on the buzzer. But man, I come out of this game and I feel all right. I feel almost refreshed. Like, it, it, <laughs> The Eels are a little bit down if they do, down if they didn't, because as much as no one gives a shit about Reed Money being out in the, in the neutral media, there was this whole, you know, lose, lose to Penrith without Nathan Cleary, you no shot. But like I said, Penrith got star players across the park. They just had, you know, six or so, six or seven origin reps. Like, they've got superstars everywhere, and they were never going to be a pushover, and the Eels pushed them right to the brink. And yep. say, say for just a couple of, you know, ill-advised moments, you know, how many, how many times did Quinton Gufferson get intercepted? Like, it, it never happens. He just happened to play the wrong hand there and it allowed the, the Panthers to get their tr opening try and right back into that contest. The, the Eels laid the groundwork in that first half on the back of being that controlled team that you were talking about in that opening stanza 60s uh, to go on and gash them in the second half when they started getting fatigued. But a Sean Lane drop on that Mitchell Moses inside ball lets Penrith get right back into the second half and then start controlling field position and territory. So... Yeah, this is a game where they're absolutely going to be kicking pebbles and, and frustrate themselves for dropping the game because it was there to be won. But by the same token, there is absolutely a positive uh, blueprint to go forwards from here and, and really consolidate their position in the top four up until uh, a grudge rematch at the last round of the regulation season against the Panthers. So, Yeah, yeah, mark that on the calendar. Mate, yes, so. So we're back to crowds being at the game. So um, fingers, fingers crossed for... Everyone going forward and anyone that's listening uh, tonight, 
uh, hope you're all keeping well, hope you're keeping safe and that uh, we'll all wish that we're out of this lockdown sooner rather than later and that we can approach um, normality or something closer to normality very soon. And our heartfelt condolences to Tom Opachik and the Opachik family, obviously. Um, you know, it's always absolutely tragic to have something like that happen and you know we wish you the best for what it's worth because some, you know words never work out in these sort of circumstances so um you know sorry for that tom yeah it's um it would not have been easy circumstances uh this evening for no for way. tom and um yeah our um our condolences to to him and his family so yes, um uh yeah all, all the best to him and uh, uh just uh one other comment as well, just at this stage, just all the, all the best to uh, Isaiah's family. Um, I I got to meet them before we went into lockdown, and uh, uh, his his mum and dad, uh, uh, Jerry and uh, Lorena, and um, it, uh, lovely people. Uh, it's easy to see why um, Isaiah is the uh, type of bloke that he is. And, um, yeah, I think they're, um, they might be stuck here with the COVID situation at the moment. So uh, shout out to them if they're, if okay. they're listening. Uh, it was nice, nice to meet both of you. And uh, we did see a featured interview uh, with Lorena on the, uh, on the, is now available for people to watch on the Eels website. So recommend people have a bit of a, a look at that. Well, we got, we'll talk about it more in the midweek podcast, given the news of the NRLW and the initial signings of the Eels. But, if they're stuck over here, get uh, Lorena involved in the NRLW for us, I reckon. Um, yeah, yeah. She, she's whipped, yeah, desire, whipped desire into an incredible footballer. So, and, you know, she, she knows her footy too. So, Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. On that note, um, bittersweet there, some great news and some tragic news. We'll um, wrap it up. As always, thank you for stopping by and having a listen. And I uh, hope you can enjoy the bye week. Hope you enjoy the blues. If you're uh, New South Wales orientated, uh, getting on and making that clean sweep happen. And then look forward to us taking on the Titans coming out of that break. Um, have, keep safe, guys. I know it's uh, troublesome times of lockdown, but um, you know, keep well and stay at home. Yep. Okay. Cheers, everyone.